Good morning, family. Good to see you guys. How do you like my new voice? It's a little deeper today. You may have to turn me up on the mic, too. Um, Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew 2, that's where we're going to be spending the bulk of our time this morning. Um, This is the fourth week of Advent uh, on the Christian calendar. And like we've said throughout the series, this is a time when we slow down. We're supposed to slow down anyway and reflect, um, meditate on the birth of Christ and what that means for our joy. And so uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1 and read that together. And then uh, I'm going to pray and we're going to get started, okay? All right, Matthew 2, starting verse 1. And, and uh, we got it on the screen, too. If you don't have a Bible or you have a hard time hearing, it's right up there. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star... They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the Word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a speaking God. You have spoken and you are still speaking to us through your Word. Lord, I ask that you would help us hear. Just simply put, help us hear what you are saying to us and change our lives. Lord, we know this time of year is a very happy time of year uh, for many of us looking uh, forward to the promise that you fulfilled in Christ. And Lord, we also know that it is also a difficult time for some of us, people that we miss at this time of year. And I just pray for those people that are here that are having a hard time this season, that you remind that they came to the right place today. Um, 
I pray, God, that you would minister to their hearts today as well, that you are a God who has come a long way for them, and that they would feel your presence here. Uh, they would sense the reality that you are with them right now, Lord, in this room uh, through your word. And uh, Lord, make it real to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we started this series by talking about this huge cosmic uh, promise that God has made to us. We talked about how we live in a broken world, that there is, this world is filled with a lot of darkness. And if you don't believe that, go ahead and just turn your TV on for about 15 minutes. You'll know that that's the truth. And that the promise is that God has come into this broken world. That he uh, has promised to forgive our sins and bring peace on earth through peace with God. And he did this through the birth of Jesus Christ. So the question that lies before us this morning is, what should be our response to the good news that Jesus is king of the world? What should be our response to that good and happy news? The answer that we find in this story of the Magi is this. We need to respond to the good news by worshiping Christ. By worshiping Christ as the king. That's how we are to respond to this news. You know, every type of person can become a worshiper of Christ. That's something that we find in this story. Every type of person can become a worshiper of Jesus Christ. It's right here in verses 1 and 2, if you're following along. It says, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. And they said, Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? That's pretty important. Where is the one that's been born king? They said it to the sitting king. Like he's the legitimate king. He, was, he didn't become the king like you did. Where's the one who was born king? He was king before he grew up. This is pretty amazing. For we saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. Now, we can't be certain exactly when the Magi show up. Most scholars believe that the Magi, they showed up in Jerusalem about one to maybe two years after Jesus was born. So get that kind of in your mind. This is not little baby Jesus in the manger, okay? He's, he's like a little toddler now, all right? Think about that. So who were these guys? Where did they come from? What kind of people were they? That's what, these are some of the questions we want to know. Most scholars think that the Magi came from Persia, or maybe the city of Babylon because of what the name Magi means and also because we know that the Israelites lived in those countries during uh, the time of exile. But it's also very possible, some scholars say, that they could have come from modern-day Saudi Arabia because this is based on the gift of frankincense that they bring. Frankincense is a white resinous gum that comes from a certain tree found in uh, the Arabian Peninsula. And as I was researching this this week, this really struck me kind of as, as, as interesting. How incredible would it be if some of the first worshipers of Jesus Christ were Arabs? How cool would that be? We, we, we don't know for sure, but what we do know is this. They were different. You understand what I'm saying? Are you tracking it with me? They're just different. They had a different religion, different culture, different customs. They were just 
They're just different when they show up in Jerusalem, all right? Additionally, the Magi were magicians, so to speak. That's why we call them Magi, magicians, okay? They were educated pagan priests, get this, that studied the stars, that used both the science of astronomy and the religion of astrology to discern the signs of the times. That's who they were. What were the gods saying? What was going on in the world? All right? So here's the story. Having that in mind, let's go back to the story now, okay? A group of non-Jewish pagan priests come from a far-off nation to the sitting king of Israel, Herod, and they ask him where the born king is. Like, where's the legitimate king, king? And why do they do this? Because they say they had a revelation from the true God through a star that the true king had arrived and they wanted to worship him. Is this an amazing story or what? Here's the point. It doesn't matter where you're from. It does not matter what you've done. It does not matter. It doesn't matter your broken beliefs about God and your bad theology doesn't matter. Every type of person can become a worshiper of Jesus Christ. Amen? This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Look, you know what? My own dad is a really great example of this. All right? He, he gave me permission to share this story. Some of you guys met him when he came, but my dad was a long-haired hippie back in the 60s and 70s. I wish I had some photos. If I did, he'd kill me if I put them up here, but... He enjoyed drugs, and he enjoyed rock and roll. Not necessarily in that order, but that's some of the loves of his life. And uh, if you saw him, you think, well, that's a really pretty cool guy. But there's no way he would ever become a worshiper of Jesus Christ. Not in a thousand years. My dad tells a story of when he walked into his own room, he saw his younger brother Roger dumping all of his dope into the toilet, saying that he found Jesus. And my dad, he didn't understand this. What, 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 what are you doing? <laughs> it just absolutely infuriated him. Because in his mind, it's like, you're dumping perfectly good dope. You're wasting my, Give it to me. I'll use it. If you don't want it, I'll, why are you wasting that? And Roger told me, he said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm done. I'm done with this stuff. I don't want you to have it either. And it just, it just scrambled his categories for my dad. And he said this to him. He said, now this is a younger brother. If there's anything that you think is more important in your life than being with Jesus when you die, you should seriously reconsider that, Mike. And it just, it stunned him. Because this didn't make sense to him. Yeah, that's my younger brother. Ah, I blow it off, you know. But later that night, the Holy Spirit started to bother my dad. He came under heavy conviction from, from the Spirit. And so he called his girlfriend at the time. It's my mom. Called his girlfriend at the time and said, come over and calm me down. I'm feeling really alone all of a sudden. I don't know why. Just Something's going on. I need you to help me understand what's going on. Make sense of this. So they decided to go out for a ride, and they stop at a gas station that one of his drug buddies worked at to fill up for gas. And so they're chit-chatting and stuff. And he remembers saying this to him. He remembers mocking God. Hey, what's going on, Mike? What's going on, Mikey? Hey, man, I'm going to get some religion, man. I'm going to get saved tonight. 
He's mocking God. But you know what? God saved him that very night. (laughs) He saved him that very night. They ended up parking in a field, and they're in Texas, big sky. They park in Texas, or park in the parking lot. They're looking up, and this electric storm came up all of a sudden. And there's just lightning just getting thrown all from, one, from the east to the west, and they're sitting there. And my dad tells in the story, he says, that God revealed himself to him that night, to that powerful storm. That he's real, and he is all-powerful. Like, Mike, this, this is nothing. He's all-powerful, and that he is all-present. He's everywhere at the same time. And, and he said he came to the conclusion that it just wouldn't do anymore to believe in a higher power. That wouldn't do anymore for him. And he said, right there, he said, Lord, I want you to be my Lord. And he asked Jesus to be his Savior, his Lord and his Savior that very night. Jesus can save every type of person, family. And I'm glad, because if he couldn't, I wouldn't exist today. But I know that he can. I know that he can. Let's be honest, though. They're people that we look at, and we look at the outside of their life, and we say, there's no way that could happen. Am I right? We do, don't we? There's no way God could break into their life. There's no way that they could change. That There's no way that they could become a worshiper of Jesus. No way. You know what we do? We don't bother telling them about Jesus, right? Don't we? Don't you? Be honest. We do. I do. I'm ashamed to say it, but I think this way sometimes. And God's had to convict me of that recently. You know, I think to myself, you know what? God could reach this person, but probably not this person. And what I realize when I'm thinking, you know what I'm really saying? I could probably reach this person, but not that person, right? That's what we say when we think that way. I'm not believing in the power of the gospel to save people from far away dark places that they put themselves in. And at times I need to repent of that. We all know people like this. We all know people that their religion is drugs, right? Their religion is their career. Their religion is to be free, to do whatever I want, whatever I want. That's my religion. Or maybe their religion is just kind of some real vague spirituality. You know, we're just kind of all one with whatever this is. We know people like this in our life. And here is what God is telling us today through his word. Don't believe the lie that they aren't the type of, the type of person that Jesus can save. Jesus can save any type of person. You know what kind of person you need to be to be a worshiper of Jesus Christ? This is the kind of person... You need to be lost. That's the only kind of person you need to be found. You just need to be lost. As your family gathers with you for Christmas, remember that God can make anyone into a worshiper of Christ. So share the wonderful news about King Jesus with your family this Christmas season. Share the wonderful news that he's the king of the world. Yes, for the tenth time, share it with them. Yes, even if they might change the subject after five minutes. Share it. Why? 
Because no one's so far away that God can't reach into their life and grab them and say, tonight's the night. (laughs) There's one other thing that I need to point out right here is that the Magi were not just spiritually far from God. They were physically far from God. They're physically far from God. Look at the map. I think we have a map of this up here. Yeah, so there's... uh, Different places they came from. We don't even know how many that they came, uh, many of them that came. We don't know if they started here and then they picked up some here. And it, we don't know. But these are some different theories from scholars of where they came from. Regardless of where they came from, the point is that they came from hundreds, probably even thousands of miles away, which would explain why it took them a year or two for them to reach Jesus after they saw the star rise. He's born. Then they had to go get to him, right? The point is that God sent a revelation to them about Jesus because there was no one that would go tell them about Jesus at this time. God wants the nations, Crossway, God wants the nations to worship His Son. This good news that we know doesn't stop at our door. We are to share the good news with the world. Jesus even says as much in John 17, 18. He says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent who? Them into the world. Yes, he has. Here's a question that I got to ask us, all right? It's kind of a future thinking question I want to ask our church. Who among us, who maybe even this room right now, who among us will Crossway equip to go to the nations? Think about that. It's great for Crossway to be a family. But you know what? Jesus defines what that is. It means that we are not a family that just exists for ourselves. We're not just a family that exists for our own joy or our own preferences. Are you tracking with me? We are a sent family that sends the family. You understand what I'm saying? We are a sent family that sends the family. We send individuals, we send families to tell the world about Jesus to wherever God might call them. Why do we do this? It's to spread the message that every type of person can become a worshiper of Jesus. And we need to understand that. The Magi also tell us something else. That only one type of person will become a worshiper of Christ. Only one type of person will become a worshiper of Christ. Now, if you're following along, you haven't fallen asleep yet, you've been kind of paying attention a little bit to what I'm saying, you may be saying to yourself, look... Didn't you just say that every type of person can become a worshiper of Christ? Didn't you just say that, Lingle? Yes, I did. Okay, so what do you mean that only one type of person will become a worshiper of Christ? This is like, are you like contradicting yourself? Did the Bible contradict itself? What's going on here? All right? Here's what I mean. I mean that the good news of Jesus, the happy news... That Jesus is the king of the world who brings us peace on earth through peace with God is for every type of person, no matter who they are. But this good news is only experienced by those that respond. That's what I mean. We only get to experience the gladness, the joyfulness of the good news if we, if we respond to it appropriately. 
And this is important. Let, let me put it this way. Suppose you get a really, really wonderful gift for Christmas. All right? Maybe it's a new car. That'd be, would that be pretty wonderful for you if you got like a new truck or a new car? Yes? This is yes? Okay, great. You guys are with me. Awesome. So let's say you get a really good, brand spanking new car, all right? Good news for you, right? It's a wonderful, great gift. It's given to you by someone that loves you. You thank the person that gave you the car. Thank you so much. You're very appreciative of this gift. You talk about to other people how thoughtful this gift really is, but you leave it in the garage. The gift is great. It belongs to you. But you are in no way experiencing that gift because you left it in the garage, right? You only experience the gift if you fire it up and drive it. That's the only way you experience how wonderful that gift is. Is this making sense? The appropriate way to respond to a gift is to use it, to enjoy it. And in that same way, the only way we get to experience the gladness of the good news is if we respond to the good news. So what is the appropriate way to respond to the good news? That Jesus is the king that will bring peace on earth through peace with God. Two ways. Right here from the Magi. Seeking and submitting. Seeking and submitting. First of all, we, need, we must seek the king. That's how we respond to him, all right? I want you to notice that the scribes knew more, about, uh, the ma- knew more than the Magi about the Christ. Okay? And they didn't seek him. Did you guys notice that when I was reading through it? They knew more about the Christ of the Magi, but they didn't bother to seek him. This is very curious. They knew that he was the long-awaited Messiah and that he would be the ruler, the kind ruler, the shepherd ruler of God's people. They knew where he was living and they knew how to get there. But they didn't seek him like the Magi did. They're, they're just utterly indifferent. I mean, at least Herod gets scared, right? They're just like, yeah, he's there. Yeah, he's the king, he's the Messiah. Meh. Right? I mean, they didn't even follow along to see if they were right. Bethlehem was a whopping five miles away from Jerusalem, and they wouldn't go. That's nothing. That's like, that's like a highway exit or something, right? That's nothing. They missed Jesus, and they missed the kingdom by five miles. Is that you today? Is that you today? Are you near Christ, or are you in Christ? Because those are worlds apart. They're not even related. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're not even close. Have you heard about Christ? Been around other people that talk about Christ? Read a little bit about Christ? Or have you responded to Him? Have you responded to Him? Please, don't be content with being near the Christ. Please don't miss Him when He's just five miles away. Don't do that. Seek Him. Seek Him as your King. The Magi, by contrast to the scribes, they had little knowledge, if any, about Creator God or the Holy Scriptures. 
They had a revelation from God through a star that they saw, and they said, by faith, we know this through their actions, they said, by faith, you know what, we're going to cross every river, we're going to travel whatever the distance is, it doesn't matter to us, we will not stop until we find this king, and then we're going to worship him. And that what they said to Herod? We've come looking for the king, and we're going to worship him. Those are people that are set, have set their mind to Christ. They traveled hundreds, if not thousands, of miles to adore their king and give them their treasures. They sought him. Jesus makes a promise about this, even later on in, Ma- in chapter 7 of Matthew. He makes a promise to people like this. Here it is Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you might find. Is that what it says? No. It says, seek and you what? Will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For every one who asks, receive. And the one who seeks, what? Finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. We experience Christ when we seek Him. Are you seeking Him? It's important. Matters. Second thing we find, though, is we must submit to the King. We must submit to the King. It's right here in verse 11. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Proskuno is the word in the Greek that's translated for the word worship. Okay, Worship is proskuno. And it means to prostrate yourself. You see where we get that word? It means to prostrate yourself before a God in worship. And just in case we miss the visual about what these full-grown men are doing in front of this little toddler, Matthew says, they fell down and fell down. (laughs) Essentially, right? They fell down and proscunoed Christ. This is not them coming in and kind of tipping their head, hey kid, you're the king, right? This is not them just kind of coming in and taking a knee, paying homage. This is not what they're doing. This is beyond that. This is like way over the top, ridiculous. Probably would have, like, it should have embarrassed them. It should have embarrassed these guys, okay? And they did it with a smile on their face. They rejoiced exceedingly with megas, great joy. This is full strength, from the heart, I don't really care what you think of me right now. <laughs> Worship of the king. That is what is happening in this room. The magi are adoring Jesus as their ruler on their face. They are giving him gifts fit for a king. Matthew says it's their treasure. Here's what we treasure. You can have it. Here's what's most valuable to us, and we lugged it a long way. We want you to have it. That's worship. That's worship. Worshiping Jesus doesn't just look like seeking him. It includes seeking him, but it's not just seeking him. It looks like submitting to him. 
submitting to his rule. And do you know what Jesus rules over? Do you know what what his rule and reign is over? Everything. Like, basically everything, all right? He's the king of kings and lord of lords. Jesus has something to say about how we do our jobs every day of the week. He's got something to say about how we shop online, spend our money, share resources, study for our exams, and how we spend our free time on the weekend. He's got something to say about everything. He's the king. Jesus alone is the king over our marriage, over our friendships, over our relationships, and over our children. Jesus is the king. He rules and reigns. We cannot claim to be worshipers of Jesus if we just have a part of our life. He can have 90%. But this part he doesn't rule over. This part he doesn't get to have a say in that. That's my part. We can't say that we're worshipers of Christ when we're doing that. Jesus doesn't compartmentalize. You understand what I'm saying? We do, but he doesn't. He's the king. He's the king. Submitting to Jesus means every treasure we have. Like treasure, like what do you enjoy the most? What do I, whatever it is that I enjoy the most. When my mind goes into neutral, my mind goes to that thing. You understand what I'm saying? Whatever we treasure, those are the gifts that we are gladly, willingly to give to him. Or at least use them in a way that would glorify him. Submitting means you tell Jesus what you think. You tell Jesus how you feel. But he gets the last word on how to live your life. That's what submitting to his rule is. It means submitting to to his words. That's how we bow down to him. The only kind of person that becomes a worshiper of Jesus is someone that seeks him and submits to him as king. Okay, that's it. Go on, go do it. No. I don't know, maybe not for you. Maybe you guys are way more spiritual than me. This is hard to do. Like, I don't know about you, I don't have this kind of willpower. We need a power greater than willpower. So, what gives us this power to do this? What gives us the power? We become a worshiper of Christ by beholding God's grace. We become a worshiper of Christ by beholding God's grace. It's right here in verses 9 and 10. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, that means to see with seeing, to apprehend something. And behold, the star that had, they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, there's a lot of speculation by scholars on what exactly the star was and how the, how the Magi understood that. I read so much of this stuff, I just, I just got bored. I fell asleep reading what everyone thought about this because nobody really knew. But here's what I did find, okay? I think there's at least two general things that we can safely say we know from this passage. First of all is that God revealed himself in Christ to them through this special star, whatever that was, okay? Secondly, God guided them on their journey to Christ every step of the way. We can safely know those two things. 
In other words, the only reason that these uh, magi came to a fuller understanding of who Jesus was and that they got to participate in the good news of his kingdom was because God showed them grace. That's the only reason they got that. God didn't come to them. God didn't show up. God didn't guide them. They don't get that. Do you understand what I'm saying? God showed them grace. And when they finally came to their destination, stars going, 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 stops. X marks the spot. You have arrived, gentlemen. You're here. Go nuts, folks. Right? They finally came to their destination. These guys realized it. They beheld. They saw. In a sense, their eyes were open to the fact that God had indeed shown them grace. They got it. They got it. They weren't on some wild goose chase after all. God is real. And they realized that God had treated them better than they deserved. They became worshipers of Christ. What transformed them from seeker to worshiper? What what flipped the switch over from seeker to a worshiper? Beholding God's grace did it. God has been kind to me. He's been better to me than I deserve through his revelation, through his sustaining them, through his guiding them. Though they were far from God spiritually, though they were far from God physically, though they didn't look like anyone in the family of God, God went out of his way to bring them near. God bent over backwards so that they would know him. You understand what I'm saying? This is amazing grace, guys. And, and guess what? That's the same thing that's happened to you and to happen, that happened to me when we found God. You understand what I'm saying? When we were spiritually far, when we may have been physically far from God, God bent over backwards that you might know him. He opened up your eyes. I've always been here. You just didn't know it. And I opened your eyes so you could behold me, so you could see what you need to see. And that touches down on us, and, and, and we go, wow, the grace of God. We become worshipers of God. Not just attenders, worshipers. Not just seekers, worshipers. People who submit. And seek gladly with a smile on our face because he's shown us his grace. When you and I understand the great length that God went to in order to include us into his family, into his kingdom, it transforms us into worshipers. That's how this happens. A a philosopher once said this about the birth of Christ. He says, God walked the infinitely long way from becoming God to becoming man. It is when we see, and I mean truly see, how far God traveled to bring us to himself that it makes us want to seek him every day. It makes us want to submit to him every day. It makes us want to do this. How could we not, after seeing the distance he traveled, the cost that he paid, to come to us? What other God has done that for you and for me? 
There is no one else. Jesus is the only God, the only one, mind you, that has come into our neighborhood, told us exactly where to find him, and has guided us every step of the way until we actually found him. Jesus is the only God that finds us so that we could find him. Do you understand what I'm saying? And nobody else has done that for us. That is grace. And that is what changes a heart from just a seeker to a worshiper. This is the God we celebrate at Advent, Christians. This is the God that we sing about, right? Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. I love you guys. I want to pray. Dear Jesus, we do adore you. And I pray that you would help us adore you more. Thank you for finding us when we were lost in the dark, on the edge of the world, from you. And you went and you found us and you opened our eyes up. You spoke to us in a way we could understand and you brought us into a fuller understanding of Christ. We thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us that no one would bother to do. And I pray that you would change us as a church, that we would seek and save the lost just like you have done. We would look at people and not say, there's no way God could make them a worshiper. And we would say, oh man, God, you could make them a worshiper. (laughs) By the power of the gospel, with the power of your grace and your Holy Spirit. Would you do that today in us? Lord, we've been asking you for a month, what do you want to change in us? And I believe that you've been telling us, you've been shining that light on us. So Lord, would you change us today? Make us full worshipers of you, Lord. We thank you, King Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.